If a good opportunity comes along, I'm not afraid to have a go. And that has led to me doing some very strange things. So, uh, like what? Tell us. Well, I remember they um, in Hexhill they put a shout out for doing a um, for doing forklift truck driving, and I thought, yes, go on then, I'll have a go. That was a hilarious experience, actually. <laughs> um, but I like saying yes to the different opportunities. I draw the line at extreme sports. Okay, that's where I say no. <laughs> Welcome to People Doing Physics, the podcast that explores the personal side of physics of the Cavendish Laboratory at the University of Cambridge. Hello, I'm Vanessa Bismuth from the department's communications office. And I'm Shelley Liu, a postgraduate student in the molecular engineering group. Our guest today is Emily Rowe, who has recently joined us from industry to start a new role as Senior Research Laboratory Technician here at the Cavendish. Contrary to many of our previous guests, physics is actually not her first love. No, what Emily was really interested in as a young mind was geology. But it turns out field trips were not a thing, so after a degree in geology, she shifted to a lab role at the University of Durham. And shifting, she has continued to do throughout her career jumping from one city to the next and between university and industry, showing off her versatility and adaptability in the process. She's known for her curiosity and willingness to take on new challenges, which made her, for example, accept this invitation on the podcast, but also landed her the title of only female forklift operator in her previous role. After nine years doing R&D in industry, she's made yet another jump to join the Cavendish Laboratory where she now supports and assists cryostat users with their experiments and equipment. Together with Emily, we talk about bridging the knowledge gap, pretty gems, cultural shifts, and a bit about truck lifting, of course. Stay with us. So, welcome, Emily. Thank you for having me. Hello. And I should also say welcome to Shelley Liu, um, the newest member of our podcast team. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. So, Emily, we'd like to start the conversation by rewinding all the way back to the beginning to understand how our guests um, get into physics. And in your case, the journey was not a straight line. Um, Very physics. true. Yes. <laughs> There was a first detour through the geology, your first love. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into geology? Into geology, yes. Um, Well, I sort of stumbled upon geology almost by accident, really. Um, when I went to college, we had to down select from, I don't know, 10, 12 GCSE subjects down to just four or five A-levels. And I, I remember thinking at the time, that's quite a challenge because what I love is learning a huge range of different things. Um, I suppose geography sort of kept uh, sort of coming to the front as something I was really interested in, uh, especially physical geography, so rivers, volcanoes, etc. So I went to college um, and I went to sort of their trial week where we had like these demonstrations of all the different subjects. And I went to geography as one of the demonstrations and coincidentally, geology was next door. And I remember peeking through uh, into that classroom thinking, oh, now this is interesting. Mm. And um, that's sort of how I came into studying geology, really. I signed up and thought, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to learn more about this. It's all my favorite aspects of geography and more. Mm. You said actually that you ended up in physics the same way as in geology, a bit by accident. And yep. it seems your career <laughs> is a bit prone to that kind of happy accident. Hopefully. Happy accidents, yes, <laughs> definitely. 
Um, but what did you, what particularly interested you in, ge in geology, or in geography first and then geology? What were you looking at or for um, in this yeah. kind of field? So I think what I, well, what I loved about geology and studying geology was the range of different subjects you can study just within this one, this one field. So um, at one point um, at uni, I was studying both uh, mineralogy, which I, I loved, it was so pretty, mm. and um, then studying huge structures like volcanoes, plate tectonics, and then a few hours later in a different module, studying uh, micropaleontology, so these tiny little fossils. So the fact that one subject can have such a huge variety and diversity, it was what I found really interesting and why I chose to study it. Mm. And if we, if we rewind a little bit even further back <laughs> yeah. um, to your younger years, before you, you started college, um, were you interested into, like, were you particularly interested in all the science um, ah. um, topics, in any specific ones? Was physics at all uh, <laughs> part of your <laughs> landscape? I mean, it was certainly something I found interesting in school. Um, so I, the school I went to was um, was actually very arts focused. Uh, so as a result, we did uh, a little bit of science here and there, but it definitely wasn't something which was uh, something which they specialized in, shall we say. Um, I found physics interesting, like I found a lot of subjects interesting. Um, but sadly, we didn't do a lot of practicals or a lot of experiments. It was very much a case of you're sitting in a classroom and someone is talking at you about this subject, normally including a lot of maths as well. And um, I liked the application side of physics, but I remember thinking this is, uh, this is quite involved and a very intellectual subject for me. For me, I liked um, the more practical subjects so at the time I was very um, into music actually and I was almost considering that as a as a career until I sort of went to college and then um, specialized in sort of geography and then geology but for me they're definitely the practical hands-on subjects and I think that's why I liked geography because you can sort of you can sit in the classroom and you can s learn about all these different structures so about about rivers for example and then you'd go into the field and you'd see these structures in action and you'd begin to sort of piece together the puzzle and say well okay this this sort of uh, outcrop looks like this because the rivers cut through it in this orientation mm. and to me sort of again understanding how things link I think was quite interesting. Right so you graduated from uni university with a geology degree but went straight into a lab technician job yes. at Durham University and that was your first incursion into physics? Yeah. Yeah, so correct. what was it about the work that attracted you, or should I say distracted you from geology? Oh, okay. Um, so I know that usually a large part of geology is field work. And um, I can safely say this was the one aspect of geology I did not like. I <laughs> seem to have been absolutely cursed. Every single field trip I went on, it absolutely poured it down. Oh no. And that's the thing, there's only so many times you can sit in a field and, you know, drawing rocks and convincing yourself that you love this subject. <laughs> so I thought, right, I'm going to somehow get into a, a career which doesn't involve... Uh, being wet on a daily basis really so um fair enough yeah yeah <laughs> so um it was actually the micropaleontology module i did where we had a um 
sort of a tray of sand or a sample, I can't remember the details now, but we had to pick out these microfossils under a microscope. And I, I remember thinking this, this, this process of being in this lab environment of using lab equipment like microscopes and doing the anal analysis, um, I found really fascinating. So after university, I was looking for a, a job in a lab. I didn't really mind what sort of lab it was really. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I saw the job at Durham University, which is quite close to, uh, to where I'm from, uh, I thought, yeah, well, I'll have a go and uh, applied. And yes, I was very lucky to get the job actually. And that's sort of how I, how I ended up there. So that was an accident too, choosing physics as your first technician job? An accident in some ways, yeah. but equally, I, I definitely wanted that job because I, I saw how interesting it was. Um, mm -hmm. There are other lab jobs available, but what really drew me to this was the fact that it was just so different. It's something I hadn't really explored before. Mm. Um, the job itself looked complicated, definitely, but also it was using a whole different skill set and something new, something exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that job? Like, what were yeah, you doing? Sure. Um, um, so I was a technician in um, the superconductivity group. So they were characterizing the superconducting wires, which were going to be used for uh, ITER, uh, which is a tokamak to sort of demonstrate nuclear fusion. Mm. Uh, so we were doing QC tests on these superconducting wires, some cryogenic tests, some room temperature tests, just to to characterize them, understands their electrical performance, their composition, how they handled really. So it's quite a, again, a wide range of different sort of skill sets and different tests, which, which we had to do. So was there any sort of theoretical aspects as a technician where it was more like practical side? It was definitely an emphasis on the practical side. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was fresh out of university having studied geology and sort of en ended up in a physics department. Mm. There's only so much you can really do theoretically coming from my background. Um, so what I was, I was there to sort of um, be the technician, be the hands and sort of make sure these tests were done to a high standard. Um, but equally, it was a great opportunity to learn about a different field and something which was new to me. And I was very lucky that uh, my manager, who was a physicist, uh, took a great amount of time in not just showing me the lab aspect and the practical skills, but also explaining a little bit about superconductivity and why we're doing these tests and why these results matter. So there was options there to sort of not just be the person to push the buttons, but then to understand what is actually going on mm. in the test. So you basically were very interested in how things actually worked in addition to how to make them work perfectly. Yes, yeah. yeah, I think I liked understanding the background. For me, I think the most interesting thing is understanding processes and how everything links together. Mm. So, for example, if you were to, um, I don't know, prepare this sample in a certain way, and then you'd get a certain result when you were testing the sample. You could either attribute it to either the test or maybe how you prepared the sample. And then you can do all these, um, oh, I don't know. well, you could sort of change how you set up your test and how you measured your sample. And that again would give you another result. So understanding the links between all the different steps in the process. That's the bit I love. 
So you obviously liked what you saw at Durham mm. and enough to make a move into industry and to start a job at Hexel, yes, a company that develops and manufactures structural materials. Correct. Yes. This was yet again a jump into another scientific field. Um, yep. Was it easy for you to shift and adapt, or did you face any challenges? I think, like starting any new job, um, there's always going to be a period where you are the new person. You don't. Uh, no one knows what you know, and equally, you don't know what you know, <laughs> what you can bring to the team. And I think it's important at that point just to take a little bit of a step back, review what you have learned, try apply what you've learned to the new position, but then equally be open to change. And so while the Hexel job, I started off as a technician there, um, there were some similarities and there were some processes that I did in Durham, which were applicable to Hexel. It was a very different field of science, mm. and so there was a lot to learn, which I think made it quite interesting. Mm. What, what about the difference between like the jump into the industry side of things? Did you see a lot of like cultural differences, or basically a lab is a lab, and whether it's in a university or in a or in a company is basically the same? No, I think there were quite a few differences. Yeah. Definitely. Um, And it's something which I think is quite interesting, again, coming back into uh, into university where I where I am now. Um, the How the research is done is quite different um, in the sense that in the academic environment, one person is focusing on one idea and carrying out their project. And they can be using some very, very niche specific equipment, which is set up specially for them. Whereas if you go into industry, you normally have a few people working on a project. You have shared equipment, which means you have to leave it in a state where it doesn't matter who the next person is who's coming to use it. It has to be available for their use as well. Um, okay. That's one of the big things I noticed. So the culture of how they tackle the work and then how they use the equipment was, mm. was quite different. You spent quite a few years at Hexel and you did a few different roles. Do you, were you still in the lab at the end of your time there? Not as much, no. Mm. So I started off as a technician and I was there for nine years. And in that nine years, I managed to sort of progress through the company um, to the point where I was actually more, um, I would say, doing sort of office and project management activities. So instead of me necessarily going and mixing the um, the formulations we would use to test because I was in research and development, which was all about development of the matrix mm -hmm. behind the composites, which we were, which we were making. Um, I would be more uh, designing those formulations, giving them to technicians to mix. And then I would be understanding what tests we would need to do, how we would scale up to both pilot and production scales what mechanical tests we need, and then taking all of that data, collating it and sort of understanding, okay, well, where do we need to go next? Are we meeting requirements and targets? So definitely the role changed and evolved as I was there for, for quite some time. Mm. So would you say you prefer the hands-on aspect or the management is also quite, was also quite exciting? I think both have their merits. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm beginning to realize that you can't really do one successfully without the other, really. Mm -hmm. So I think what I began to learn at, at Hexel was that it's really good to have an understanding of 
equipment and processes and being the hands doing these experiments but then equally the flip side the project management side of things is that you're then able to see where the project's going and where it started from and you can sort of direct what tests you need so I, I was quite interested in uh, the balancing act between the practical and the project mm. management for me that was really interesting I'm interested to know if um, about the um, the the back, like the the learning and the on the job, the level of on the job learning um, versus catching up in books and and okay. and yeah. um, like how do you how do you um, because you're not come from a from a physics or like physical science. Well, actually, no. Geology is a physical science. Uh, I know but, what you mean. But sort of you're, not, you're not from an engineering, chemistry. exactly. Yeah. Not that sort of background. So, how do you bridge that gap? And how did you, um, throughout the years, fill that gap? Um, is yeah. it a lot of on-the-job learning, or is it? Did you study a lot in the library? I don't know. Is I'm interested to know how you do. Um, it's yeah. also in that sense that I want to explore how like if it's it's a, it's not because you're you don't have a physics degree that you can't work in a in a physics lab oh i see what you mean um yes it was interesting bridging the gaps because mm. every field i come into i i'm lucky in this job right here right now because i've only been in this position for about two months um i'm coming in with some background experience which i gained at durham university but um I think when starting a new job, I've been lucky the places I've worked where they've done a really great um, induction program and they make sure that whatever you are learning, they give you enough background and they give you the skills you need to go and, and have a go, have a try. So for example, approaching a new piece of equipment, um, there would always be one person who would be sort of the designated trainer for that piece of equipment and you'd get trained on the equipment And I think what I tended to do at first was basically start right at the, at the basics, learn to push the buttons. Mm. And then over the years, maybe learn, well, why are we pushing the buttons in this way? Uh, and why are we doing them in, pushing them in this sequence? And then what does that impact? What are the results? What are we actually seeing here? And so what I like to do is sort of start off very basic and then peel back the layers as I go. Um, a lot of this is done, I think, by talking to people, um, people who have been doing the tests, whatever they are, geology, chemistry, mechanical testing, physics, whoever is doing the test at the time, I try and understand what they are doing, how they're doing it. And then if something does come up, which I really don't understand, I'm happy to go away, um, go into a library, Google, <laughs> mm. and just fill in the gaps wherever I can. Um cut to nine years later mm -hmm. and the end of what you call your rambling journey and into the Cavendish <laughs> back in the lab and you are bringing with your experience of both industrial and university settings so you've said you see some major differences between the two and which one would you prefer or like oh <laughs> That's quite a hard question because mm. again, I think to compare them would almost be do to do an injustice to either one of them because they are so different. Mm. And actually, what I'm really interested in is seeing these differences, as you've seen from my rambling career <laughs> into this department. Um, I like the differences 
But what I like to do is understand what the differences are and then learn from them and bring things together. So I wouldn't necessarily say that one is leaping out as a favorite, as a certain science, a certain environment. For me, it's all about making the connections and seeing how these things can come together and bring the best of both worlds. So would you say you see things differently now from when you started first in Durham? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so I, when I started in Durham, um, yes, I was fresh out of university. I hadn't had a lot of, well, I had almost no lab experience. So I was quite a nervous person, I would say. Um, and similar going into, into Hexel. When I started off there as a technician, it was a, a very brand new environment. I hadn't done chemistry before and all of a sudden I was mixing a lot of chemicals together. I hadn't done mechanical testing and I was using these test frames and using autoclaves to prepare samples on a huge scale and it was very different. Um, I think now, based on those experiences, I'm able to come into an environment and have a healthy respect for the equipment, but not necessarily be terrified of it, as mm. I would have been in the past. For me, coming in here now, this is a great opportunity to get back to doing a hands-on job, to learning a new field, but maybe going a bit deeper into the subject than what I would have done before. So understanding not just the equipment setup, but understanding why the experiments are being run in the way they are and what the data means and what the next steps are and then also what the steps were that came before we actually ran the samples and set up the equipment so again it goes back to understanding those processes and I think that's something I'm quite looking forward to learning about. You sound very curious and the sort of person that says yes to every opportunity Is that a fair judgment? Um, <laughs> possibly, yes, maybe. <laughs> If a good opportunity comes along, I'm not afraid to have a go. And that has led to me doing some very strange things. So, uh, Like what? Tell us. Well, I remember they um, in Hexhill, they put a shout out for doing, a, um, for doing forklift truck driving. And I thought, yes, go on then, I'll have a go. That was a hilarious experience, actually. <laughs> um, but I like saying yes to the different opportunities because it means you get to learn something new and you learn a new skill or develop skills which you didn't really know you had. So it's always a good opportunity to say yes. I draw the line at extreme sports. Okay. That's where I say no. So. <laughs> but you never know. It might come handy knowing how to manage, a, like to drive a truck lift. Well, you never know. <laughs> My parking's much better now. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you miss geology at all? Sometimes. Um, occasionally, yes. I mean, it's always fun to look back. And I have a funny feeling in a few months' time, I'll look back at both Durham and Hexel and miss key aspects of what I found really interesting in, in those subjects and in all the subjects I've looked into. But it's always, it's nice to look back with happy memories and then mm. also think about, well what I can possibly do now, maybe there is some skill set or there's some knowledge which I can bring in from those those experiences which will sort of shape what we're doing here and what I'm doing at the moment. Would you say that, because um, you've been in so many different fields, would you say the skills are the more transferable ones compared to the knowledge of specific? I'd say yes, that's fair, to be honest. Um, Yeah, whenever I start something new, I try and find a reference point so it's not altogether new. So whatever project I'm starting, I'll think, well, what what can I 
bring in which I've done before which will help under, help me understand what I'm doing at the moment so definitely the practical skills the planning skills the project management skills to a certain extent some of the hands-on technical skills although that will vary depending on which field I, mm-hmm. I end up in so yeah I think the skills are transferable so technic- technical work is quite male dominated um, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know what's been your experience with gender representation and if you've seen any progress happening in this field over the years yeah so um i think i was aware of it at hexel in some ways um while i was in r d so research and research and development which was um quite even really when you were going to a more production environment it is a bit more male dominated mm. um I mean, maybe there were times where that was actually to my advantage, being the only forklift truck driver on site at one point. They used to put my pallet in the middle of the warehouse so I could just come in and gracefully take it away. I mean, I don't know if they did that because I'm a woman or because I was a terrible forklift truck driver, <laughs> but um, it was useful. Mm. <laughs> but I think um, there are certain circumstances, I mean, even coming here, going into more of the technical services where you walk in, and you realize that it's a very male dominated environment and usually they all have a similar background so coming from like the mechanical workshops and i do feel myself standing out a bit like a sore thumb but i guess you just have to roll with that and sort of embrace who you are and try and just be yourself and be happy be friendly and be happy um what i have noticed is that while i think there is a a certain generation which is more male dominated. Um, what I started to see at Hexel in R&D and what I'm seeing here in the different research groups is that it might possibly be balancing out. There may be more women coming into science. I guess we'll see. Mm. So we're about to move into a brand new building, the Ray Dolby Center, yes. which, which you described as the old meeting the new. And tell us more about it. Are you looking forward to the move? I am actually yes. I mean, I know that there it's it's been a long time coming, and there's been a lot of work in the last few years to um, sort of get this project going and to plan it. For me, coming in at this time, I think I'm quite lucky <laughs> because I'm coming in at the later stages of the planning. You're almost there. <laughs> exactly, the end is in sight. So, but you have to organize the move, though. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> so it's um it's an interesting time because it is it's almost crunch time and mm. we're getting to the pa- to the fact that we are coming close to moving and it's it is interesting to be involved in the finer details of the move definitely um i think the new building itself i've been over once and it looks very nice um, um and the reason i described it as the old meets the new is because it is such a, a modern new building and i find it fascinating how an institution such as Cambridge University with all of its history and the Cavendish Laboratory with again more history can move into such a, a new building and while keeping its roots and its background and its its legacy almost alive so that's going to be quite interesting to see the two the two worlds meet. Um, I think that's all we have time for today thank you so much for joining us Emily. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. 
thank you to Emily Rowe for joining us today. You can find out more about what was discussed today in the show notes. Um, as always, if you'd like to learn more about our work at the Cavendish Laboratory, please go to our website, www.phy.cam.ac.uk and tag us on social media with the hashtag PeopleDoingPhysics. This episode was recorded and edited by Chris Brock. Thank you for listening to People Doing Physics. See you next month.